Okay, go. You're listening to the Debatable Podcast hosted by Greg Sedashny. It's available for streaming and download at debatablepodcast.tumblr.com and on iTunes. Find us on Twitter at DebatablePod and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash debatablepodcast. Greg also co-hosts All the Pieces Matter along with Fernando Madrigal. All the Pieces Matter is a retrospective podcast on HBO's The Wire. It's available for streaming and download at wirepod.tumblr.com and on iTunes. Find All the Pieces Matter on Twitter at wire underscore podcast and like the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wirepodcast. Last but not least, you can always find Debatable and All the Pieces Matter anytime at actionagogo.com. So please, check out our sites on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Tumblr. Check us out on the street if you see us there. Leave us questions, comments, feedback. And if you're up to it, rate and review us on iTunes. We really like that. And hey, let your friends know about us. But above all, enjoy today's show. Thanks for listening. That's great. That's great. Thanks. From the time of his hatching, he was different. A potentially brilliant scholar who dreaded the structured environment of school, he educated himself in the streets, taking whatever work was available, formulating his philosophy of self from what he learned of the world about him. And then the cosmic axis shifted, and that world changed. Suddenly, he was stranded in a universe he could not fathom. Without warning, he became a strange fowl in an even stranger land. Stanley presents Howard the Duck. couldn't tell from that wonderful intro by by good old AJ Wiley. We are going to be talking about Howard the Duck today. Uh, who who directed this? Willard Hook. Hike. 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 I, I, I have no it's, idea. It's Hike. It's Hike. Okay. Some guy whose career was thoroughly ruined. If you guys don't notice those beautiful voices, they are. If you don't recognize them, rather, um, they are the Gobbledy Geek podcast host co-hosts. Uh, AJ Wiley, how are you, AJ? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Paul Smith, the greatest, the legendary. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm the greatest. <laughs> what can I say? One more. <laughs> we got him. We got him. His own throne. It's not made of iron. It's not. Don't worry. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, we've been. This is actually something we've been talking about for a while, haven't we? This this podcast was suggested like three years ago. I feel like. I feel like we okay, so we talked about it on the sneakers podcast we did recently, and the sneakers thing was presented after the Howard the Duck thing first was presented. 
So yeah, and the and the sneakers one gestated for literally almost a year. Yeah, yeah, it happened. Um, so how long ago? Let's say yeah, it was something like that. It was a while ago. Um, but where does this come from? Where does this idea you know spawn from? I think some people might have seen a little movie, a little summer movie, a little sleeper hit called Guardians of the Galaxy. And there was a fan cookie, a credit cookie, if you will, after the credits, um, with, uh, with Howard the Duck. Um, some people didn't know who the hell that was, especially uh, uh, younger fans of the Marvel Universe and uh, maybe, maybe even some, uh, some people that are out of the loop on comics. Uh, not, not very familiar with Howard the Duck, but for anybody who even has a little bit of a glimpse of the 80s nostalgic uh, uh, gem that we're going to be talking about today, Howard the Duck is, uh, is, is something that made you feel at least uh, a, a little giggle, if not warm and fuzzy inside, seeing it in Guardians Idiot. of the Galaxy. Idiots. Okay, uh, sorry, my girlfriend had an input. What was that? They're idiots? Okay, M- Monique, uh, Monique is, a, is what we call an ageist. She hates people that are young, millennials especially. But nonetheless, uh, I wanted to bring on the uh, Gobbledy Geek guys because uh, for, for most of my uh, adult life, I have said, hey, I, I, I know comics. Fuck comics. I mean, I did that. <laughs> that's, that's in the past. No, I'm not, uh, I'm not a, uh, a, 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 an expert like uh, AJ and Paul are. I've, I've often called myself a neophyte, and that's true. So um, knowing that uh, Howard the Duck has a past and maybe even a future in cinema, um, we wanted to talk about this movie and its relation to its comic origins also. So AJ and Paul, thank you for joining me to talk about this movie. Absolutely. Uh, the pleasure. Like Sneakers... This is not a film I had seen before. <laughs> and it's not a movie you enjoy. So it's just like that. It's just like Sneakers. <laughs> it, it's just like Sneakers. For, for, AJ, for AJ Neophytes, he is a soulless monster. Let's just get that out there. <laughs> can I just say, can I just say um, after uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, you sit through the, the 10, 15 minutes of credits, um, Howard the Duck pops up. I thought it was now. Even as a comics fan, I I I know of Howard the Duck. I'm not. I'd never really read anything featuring Howard the Duck, and I'd never seen the movie. But Howard the Duck popped up, and I I thought that was that was kind of funny. It was, it was amusing. Right. Um, there was a man in the theater who did not feel similarly. <laughs> um, I believe his words were. And this is not exact, but pretty close to, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> All of that for Howard the Duck, this is bullshit. <laughs> and, and left the theater. That'll show him. He walked out before the final frame of the Howard the Duck. <laughs> I think he walked out after dropping $20 on that movie. That's uh, right. I think, it, I think it's pretty good. I mean, the, okay, there are, there are probably a couple camps that we're going to be intersecting here. Um, there are going to be uh, Marvel uh, and comic book hardcore people like that, hardcore fans. But then on the other hand, I think as far as the movie's concerned, uh, I'm sure that there were a lot of people that came to it as being a George Lucas joint. Uh, 
and having that connection to to uh, the the Lucas Zemeckis Spielberg '80s that a lot of us grew up in. So for for a lot, I think at least for me, I'm going to speak for my, for myself. Um, the nostalgia is the '80s movie. It's not the comics. Did either one of you guys? Did you come? Did you come to Howard the Duck as a movie first, or did you always know it was a comic? Let's start with you, Paul. I always knew it was a comic. Um, I I'm the old fucker, uh, so I had known Howard the Duck. I never read the actual ongoing Howard the Duck title. Uh, uh, you know, on a regular basis, I read a couple issues here or there, but he would pop up in other titles from time to time. So I was aware of the character, um, but I really I didn't pay much attention to the character at all until right. the movie. Is so. this is this part of? I mean, him being kind of a comic relief satire type comic was was Howard the Duck always kind of like you know tier three or or tier four as far as comics were concerned. For a lot of people? Well, he came out, um, like, he premiered in the 70s, and I don't, I don't know what his original appearances were like, but he actually, AJ, ironically, has now read more Howard the Duck comics than I have, so he can correct me if I'm mistaken here. But my impression was that he was never actually used for as much straight-up comic relief as you might expect from... Mm-hmm. A talking duck from outer space. <laughs> yeah, so he, he was like yeah. social and political satire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let me talk about that for a second. Um, inspired by this wonderful film, uh, I decided to uh, seek out uh, Steve Gerber's original Howard the Duck comics. Um, and what got me to do that was reading up on the movie led me to reading up on just the creation of the character, and it seems so much more interesting than I ever could have imagined because I, uh, I can't find the exact quote, but Steve Gerber said something along the lines of, um, the, like the fundamental aspect of the Howard the Duck comic book series was that life's most serious and most absurd situations are only like the only difference is your point of view. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what his, his, his goal was to express that. Right. And, Having now read some of them, I think I'm I'm like ten issues into the original run, and Steve Gerber wrote I think about thirty thirty five overall issues of Howard. The um, twenty seven. It's twenty seven, but then there was there was a later series. Uh, yes, you're right that he did. Um, it's it's much it's much different than I would expect because yeah, he's not a straight up uh, comedic character. It's it's a funny series definitely, but it really is. It's it's social satire. It's political satire. There's an existential quality to it. There's one issue where, uh, I mean, in the issue, Howard masters the art of quack foo, which <laughs> sounds ridiculous, but it was also like, it's kind of a scathing criticism of, of like the the glut of kung fu comics and TV shows and movies at the time, and about how pointless it was. How, how pointless the violence was, and how the violence was always glorified. And in fact, there's like a really like a kid like dies in that issue because of like or just a, a random fight that gets started in a diner, and the kid dies. And Howard is like fed up with the entire world because of it. It's like pretty. It's it's <clears throat> excuse me. It, it's funny, but it's it's also kind of serious at the same time. So what you're telling me is just from this kind of overview of the comics is that the movie got the tone exactly right. 
<laughs> exactly right. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, you know, Steve Gerber actually thought the movie did a good job. I, I, I think I think the movie gets it gets like the the basic elements of Howard himself right, and I think everything else is different. How did you come to know Howard the Duck, uh, AJ? Did you see this as a as a movie that was repeated on TV ad nauseum? No, I, I had never seen it until a week or two ago in preparation for this. Well, what do you um, what do, what about the reputation? Was it the movie or was it always the comics? You did you know that the that it was derived from the comics first? I knew it was. I, I've always known it was a movie. Okay. Um, and I've always known it was almost a universally like hated movie. Mm-hmm. Um. I didn't know it was a comic book until later. I'm not sure at what age I realized it was a comic book. But at some point I realized, you know, you read enough Marvel comics, you discover Howard the Duck is a Marvel comic book character. Um, but I, had, I, I, I probably had read like a couple of his, like, like, when he over, like Paul was saying, when he overlaps with some other characters. But I had never actually read any, any of his comics or, or seen the movie. So... Uh, going into it, I really the, the most exposure I'd had to Howard the Duck was Seth Green voicing him at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. Right, right. It's going to be interesting because on a recent episode where you guys were talking with Ken uh, Edwards about uh, Jurassic World, you mentioned uh, a very interesting uh, dichotomy, whether this is your stage presence, I stay, say stage even though it's on a podcast, your audio stage pre- presence, um, that Paul is... Uh, very much a person that that uh, that <clears throat> embodies nostalgia for the, a lot of the things that he really holds dear, and at the same time, on the other side of the coin, AJ is very much a person that <clears throat> that uh, says uh, you know uh, rape and kill and and set your your <laughs> idols and set your idols on fire. Oh, okay. So. I thought you were just saying I go around <laughs> saying rape, kill. Yeah, I, I don't generally do that. Not generally. AJ, AJ looks down his his pretentious nose at us lowly nostalgic. Right. So yeah. how? I mean, I'm not how, saying I'm the only one who watched an Antonioni film today, but <laughs> you are in the world the only one that watched an Antonioni film. It's all right. It's uh, he he watched eight and a half when he was eight and a half. He'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, but I think that eight and a half months old. <laughs> considering uh, that statement that you guys made on your episode, I think it would be interesting to go down this road with Howard the Duck because this is a movie that I think if you grow up in the 80s again, um, this is a movie that you probably saw, at least I did and a lot of my friends did, my generation really uh, watched this movie, Temple of Doom, Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, the Star Wars movies, uh, anything that Lucas and Zemeckis and Spielberg put out, they were basically uh, 80s childhood uh, 80s early 90s childhood so I do remember this movie uh, quite a bit um, I had not seen it in a long time we also did a podcast uh, the three of us uh, not too long ago on uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space uh, that's a movie that I remember always seen in the background I remember bringing up on that podcast that I didn't remember a lot of it because I hadn't seen it in so long it's the same deal with with Howard the Duck it's not a movie I had very much memory of so this was like watching it again fresh for the first time it's also watching it fresh as an adult which is a lot different than watching something as a child so it's going to be interesting to go down this road with you because I didn't have an overall positive 
experience with it. There were a few things that I really, really enjoyed. But, um, you know, being a fan of always getting off on the right foot, Paul, I'm guessing you have a lot of positive memories of this movie? (laughs) Or not? Uh, Well, to play into the stereotype, the Paul stereotype, I'll say yes. Uh, This is one of the, the rare crappy 80s movies that I did not actually see in the theater. I saw this a, a couple years later on VHS, actually. Gotcha. Um, and I don't, I don't remember loving it at the time. However, it was, it was one of those... This was years before MST3K was even a thing. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the movies that kind of went into... Uh, my friends and I did our own, as a lot of people did, our own little MST3K yeah weekends and this movie was in regular rotation on those so i have a nostalgic memory of it uh a fondness in that sense but i did not actually remember like legitimately liking it from back then so this rewatch was interesting kind of newish for you too you haven't seen it in a long time i have not seen it in a long long time strangely enough um i remembered every single frame (laughs) uh my the thing was my I remembered every single frame, but I didn't realize it was every single frame. I remembered the movie and I was like, surely I'm just remembering scenes. There's got to be more to the movie than what I'm remembering. Nope. I remembered every fucking frame. Right. I got to say say from the extension of that, that that really gets to my point already. You know, we're getting down this road that it's an extremely simple movie as far as a (laughs) plot is, you know, whatever a plot is. Um, do we want to kind of hobble together a quick synopsis for anyone who's not seen this movie? AJ loves doing that. AJ, do you like doing that? Uh, uh, well, <laughs> like is such a strong word. <laughs> um, I, I, I suppose I will attempt. Um, there's this duck named Howard. Um, <laughs> Done. He comes, Period. No <laughs> he comes from a world, duck world, as a matter of fact. Um, everything is ducks. It, it's ducks all the way down. Um, <laughs> you, you see some duck titties? Yep. Yes, yes you do. Um, that was something. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, some crazy shit happens, and he finds himself on a human Earth. That's what, that's what we call, that's the full name of our planet, right? The duck world, and it's human Earth. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and then he meets uh, Leah Thompson, mm-hmm. who's... It was in a band. Yeah, Rare is is right. Uh, she's 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 in a band, and he meets her, and they like, I don't know, live together, and they might fuck at some point. But you might see some human titties as well. Um, and then there's the shit happens from there, man. I've it's, really this movie. This movie does not have a coherent plot. Uh, I think I think that the, the, it's split into two things. It's uh, you know the the uh, what's the the uh, usual plot the the stranger in a strange land type thing, uh, fish out of water, uh, and then uh, out of <laughs> yes, a foul out of water, and then on the other side of that is uh, kind of a, a paint by numbers, almost comic booky, uh, bad alien comes down. From, from space and, and possesses someone and that that leads us into kind of a in the second half a, a, uh, a kind of a, a chase and showdown type yeah I can I can add a few details sure. that AJ left out uh, 
if, if Only you look, a few. I pretty much covered it. <laughs> yeah, you, you got most of it. You hit the broad strokes. But there's also um, – so Howard was brought to Earth, we find out, by this uh, – the astro, an astrophysicist, mm-hmm. I don't even remember what the fuck it was, but some sort of a space program test. Right. There was a laser that was fired off into the cosmos to, to do something. I genuinely don't remember what the hell they were doing. Right. But uh, it went off course and accidentally plucked this uh, duck off of another world. Um, and in the process of doing that, it also pulled down something else, mm. something, some alien thing Eerie. that uh, – or no, though no, that's not true. It pulled Howard down. The scientists uh, are like, "Well, we can use this laser to send you back home." Right. Howard is desperate to get home, so they go and they try to use the laser again. And this time, it uh, pulls an alien force down, and it possesses the lead scientist, played by uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Jones, Jones mm-hmm. whom I adore. Uh, yeah, and he adores uh, other people too. Yes, so- I know. Come on. <laughs> Small children, I think you I I feel bad because uh, literally two episodes ago, I think, uh, when we were talking about Ravenous, which Jeffrey Jones is in, and uh, both James and I on that episode, uh, big, big fans of Jeffrey Jones. He was, uh, you know, a mainstay in a lot of 80s movies from our childhood. Uh, Love him Mm -hmm. as an actor. It's it's unfortunate what's happening to uh, to his life and his career, but... Is it still happening? I thought this was a thing that happened like 10 years ago and nothing else has happened since. Nothing else has happened since, but his career has been invariably destroyed by it. Well, he was in, uh, he, he was in, um, oh my God, Deadwood. He was in Deadwood after that. He was, he was in Deadwood. Yes. But I think that even that wasn't that 2004 ish, something like that. Yeah. Somewhere. It's unfortunate. Uh, Jeffrey Jones. If you, If you look at a picture of him now, it looks as if he ate himself. Yes. Yes, he yeah. ate at least one of himself. <laughs> at least one. <laughs> uh, so I watched this with uh, our good friend, uh, Joe, Joseph Lewis. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, we typically we, we host what we call LOL viewings, uh, where we, we watch bad movies that we know will be bad. Uh, and we, it, it's sort of like what you do your MST3K. Thing right. all, and so we do it over um, because we are geographically separated. Uh, we use we still use AOL Instant Messenger. Oh my god! Um, and you know we're watching this movie. I'm like, you know what? Jeffrey Jones is pretty fucking great. And and Joe is, says something like, like yeah, too bad he loves fucking kids. <laughs> and I was, I was like, was wait wait what? And I had no, I had no idea. Let me back. And up. So that led me down a rabbit hole. Which eventually led to the picture of him having eaten like two point five himself. <laughs> well, well, it's interesting too because I mean, like, you, you, it's always weird. Okay, so if you 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 take in someone's career uh, before some horrible event happens, and then kind of seeing them after that event, I think about like stars that got into auto wrecks or whatever, and you see them afterwards and you can tell there's, there's physical deformity, sometimes emotional or, or, or mental deformity. Um, but with something like this, which is such a scandal and everything, 
you know, you you weigh all the movies that he did, Beetlejuice and Ferris Bueller and this and uh, Amadeus and all these movies that he's well, well known for, for, for being in, in the 80s and everything. And uh, Ravenous uh, later in his career, 1999 and whatever. But when you start seeing him, like, after that, that, uh, that scandal, and I, I see him in uh, new special features on the Ravenous Blu-ray or even uh, more recent special features on the uh, Howard the Duck DVD and everything, it's always kind of weird, like, he's... You know, yes, he is. He's swollen. He's becoming quite, quite a, a, an overweight man and everything. But it just adds to kind of this ickiness about him because you try to like you think about these horrible things that he probably did, but it makes him more perverse in a way. Now that you know that in the back of your head, you're kind of like projecting that onto this this new interview that happened after the event. You know, in a weird way. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I, I haven't seen him like in action. Like, well, that's that's the wrong phrase. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen like footage of him uh, in recent years. But yeah, the picture was bizarre and really did you know it did knowing what has become of yeah. him really did add to like the grotesqueness yeah. of the photo because I you know I don't I don't want to judge someone based on their appearance, but given that you know he's a child molester. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that re- really did add to the the disturbingness of that photo. Right. All right, and, all right. Let's let's just clarify something. First of all, age happens to all of us. Sure. No. Definitely. Definitely. I'm not saying you, that. You definitely. Whippersnappers. Now Paul's <laughs> about to defend pedophiles. No, I'm I'm about to say what he was what he was uh, arrested for. What he was charged with was child pornography. He did not. He never. At, at least he was not charged with actually having sex with a child. Okay. That I, is better. I just want I to suppose. put that out there. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, um, I suppose that is preferable. But, 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 nonetheless, the the element that 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 James and I on that podcast kind of focused on too was that Jeffrey Jones, even when he's playing a a bad guy in this movie, he plays two people. He plays that good natured scientist, but then he plays the alien uh, possessed bad guy um dark overlord of the universe yeah i love that voice that he uh that he takes on too uh but uh jeffrey jones always has like you can see this definitely in his later work you can see it in ravenous and everything he's always kind of a genuinely you can tell he's a he seems like a nice guy he seems like a a a good father figure which is really you know kind of difficult to take in when you think about that but uh yeah because i i i grew up with him in beetlejuice i grew up with him in ferris bueller and even though he was stern and and a dick in ferris bueller i I always found him hilarious i loved him so yeah it is it is something that you have to take uh it kind of bury in the back of your mind when you watch uh one of these movies again because I, I have to divorce what's happened now with the man that that I enjoy in these movies, these the actor that I enjoy in these movies. I mean, there's that old, you know, everyone knows, you know, separate the art from the artist, and I completely understand people who can't, because I mean, they're they're that's understandable. If right. you do not want to, I mean, if you want to ex- like avoid art made by morally reprehensible people, there's very little art you will enjoy but <laughs> right. i understand if you know that that jeffrey jones um you know jerks it to kids um <laughs> and, and you don't you can't watch howard the duck that's that's acceptable but right. i you know i i always try to separate the art from the artist and he he is he he is one of the he's one of two highlights 
in this film, the other being Tim motherfucking Robbins. <laughs> oh, you are completely full of shit. Are you oh, serious? No, I love. I oh, dude. Oh, I, I am so serious. Oh, oh my god. So oh my god. You people. You fucking people. Are you serious? Oh, okay. Man. Um, how do you? One of his earliest roles too. Isn't it his first? I thought it was his first. Is it his very first? Either way, how do you guys want to? It's one of the best. How do you guys? <laughs> one of the yeah, best things he's ever yeah, done. yeah. It's this and Shawshank Redemption. You know those two. Tent poles. I'm not um, even kidding you guys. You are so full of shit. Okay, look. How do you want to tackle this? Do you want to talk about the arrival in Cleveland uh, area first? Do you want to do it in chronological order? Or do you want to jump around and talk about our positives and our negatives? What do you want to do? I mostly just want to keep talking about Jeffrey Jones, <laughs> if that's okay. Uh, no, I feel like going through a movie chronologically, we used to do that a lot on our podcast back when we were terrible we're, we're still terrible but right less so. um that's that's always kind of boring okay. so let's let's, uh, let's jump around mix it up okay well it just so happens what i want to talk about just happens to be at the beginning we don't have to go in, in sure, yeah, hack. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about uh was it duck planet duck land duck world duck world okay duck world okay. duck planet sorry um uh, coming from discovery <clears throat> yes Okay. <laughs> okay. Richard Attenborough. <laughs> I, I gotta say, if um, if you want a a stab at the tone of Howard the Duck and um, how smart and crisp and hard hitting its comedy can be, uh, the Duck World portion of the movie is okay. I don't want to say gut busting. I don't want to say that I actually had to sew up the side that split from <laughs> laughing. Uh, but I will, because it was so hilarious. Extra, extra, extra sarcasm. Okay. The, the, uh, the writers and directors, um... Yes, let's talk about that. Yeah, let's bring that up. Because I watched the, uh, I watched the special features today as well. Yes. And, um, they talked about how that was the studio... Uh, that wanted them to do that. They they did not want to do like they had a different idea for the movie. It was always going to be goofy, stupid Howard the Duck, but like they really did not want to do that old Duck World thing. Right. Well, Steve I, Gerber in the comics was adamant that um, Duck. I don't think it was called Duck World in the comics, but that Howard's home planet never be shown. Right. And so as soon as Marvel kicked him off the book, that's exactly. Right, right. I see. Uh, so, so Willard Hike. I think that's what we're agreeing his name Hike. is. Hike. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Okay. Willard Hike and uh, Gloria Katz, who I and many of my uh, generation might know as the writers of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, and American Graffiti. And American which Graffiti, is when, which is when Howard the Duck germinated. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. I believe Harrison Ford was going to play Howard the Duck in their original <laughs> concept. <laughs> and believe me, he shot first. Um, but anyway, uh, you know what? <laughs> speaking of play duck. Um, so, yeah, no, there's um, so Duck World is basically human Earth as we know it, um, except everything, uh, brand names, uh, the things that you have in your daily life, they just have duck puns on them. Um, now I, I want to jump in here really quick because I can see where this is going. In Howard the Duck, it was terrible, but I am a huge fan of 
uh, Darkwing Duck, <laughs> and they do the same thing in Darkwing Duck. So okay, I, I just I just want to say it Darkwing Duck. I have a lot of affinity for, but again, that's something that's so far away from me now that I'm I'm worried about revisiting. Darkwing yeah. Duck I haven't is... seen Darkwing Duck in a very long time, but I have to imagine, given that it still has a pretty damn good reputation, right. I have to imagine everything else around the duck puns is good enough for them to get away with so many duck puns. <laughs> sure. But I will admit, as a lover of bad puns, I nearly OD'd <laughs> in the first five minutes of Howard the Duck. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't process... All of the puns. And you got a little, you got a little aperitif with the um, her looking through his wallet later when he's in Cleveland. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so of this whole thing, I just want I brought it up just for my favorite thing: jerk off jokes. Um, he he gets his new issue of Play Duck. He opens it up. He wants to know. He wants to. He wants to. He wants to know what the new. He doesn't. He hold it and he says, "I wonder what new articles are in here." Yeah. He opens it up to the centerfold and uh, unra- unravels the centerfold. The next shot is on his little nightstand uh, with the beer on there and everything, and everything starts shaking. Now, anybody who knows cinema language automatically thinks. <laughs> Point A, point B, what he's doing, he opened up the pornographic magazine, he's jerking off. And then, of course, it, it's, it's diverted by it being a, what he thinks, an earthquake. And everything starts shaking in the apartment. Wouldn't it be a, a Duck World quake? Aha! Aha! Okay, yes. Um, <laughs> you stretched it a little, Paul. I'm sorry. So, um, <laughs> that is to say, for the first um, 15 minutes, that might be my favorite part. Is there anything you guys want to say about Duck World? <laughs> um, my Little Chickadee starring May Nest and W.C. Fowl? Yes. Come on. Yeah. 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 Indiana Drake, Jesus. the new hero from the creators of Beaks and Fowl Wars. What was the Raiders of the, what was it? Raiders of the Lost Stork. I'm oh, particularly fond of that considering what I used to do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> can I just, can we just um, focus just for a moment on duck titties? Yes. Um, They're breasts, AJ. It's duck breasts. I... I was, I was, I'm, I have been scarred by that image. <laughs> can, can I, you, it is, I have not, every, every waking moment I have returned to the duck breast. We, we need uh, to establish one thing. Is Howard the Duck in the comics a humanoid? As in he's bipedal and talks? Okay, but he doesn't have human anatomy. No, at least at some point they give him pants. I'm not. I'm not there yet. No spoilers. Uh-huh. Um, but right now he is pantsless, and it's it's you know, he's, he's he's Daffy Duck or Donald Duck. He's there's. I haven't seen any duck schlong yet. <laughs> so as, as far uh, as a former zookeeper that worked with birds, I can tell you, you do not want to see a duck penis. I'm just going to put that out there. Oh God! The That's condom a... that she finds in his wallet is not <laughs> size appropriate. <laughs> I don't even want to ask in what direction does it go, larger or smaller? Oh, much, much larger. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. <clears throat> um, maybe uh, maybe him and Beverly are playing uh, hide the zucchini. <laughs> um, I think that yeah, they... No, yeah, 
I think they lament the fact. I think uh, I, I saw this on the special features that this was another studio note that they wanted to push this in a in a humanoid uh, uh, duck type thing. The other thing is the other part of this is that this movie originally gestated as an animated feature first. Yeah, yeah, they wanted animation. Yeah, which would have been pretty good for this source material. Source material, I think. Yeah, um, uh, what's a weird departure from the comics, I mean, a lot of it is a departure from the comics, but a a weird departure is um, Howard and and Beverly, at least as far as I've read, have no sort of romantic relationship whatsoever. They do share a bed because they're so poor that they they live in a tiny, cramped Cleveland apartment and and have no no other space. Um, But in fact, the only time there's any, like, hint of anything is when Howard, I shit you not, there's a, a, a multi-issue arc where Howard is running for president. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scandal that sinks his campaign is somebody like fakes a photo, like somebody spying on them, right. takes a picture of Howard in the bath and then Beverly in the bath and puts them together and makes it look like they're canoodling mm. in the bathtub together. And that, that, that sinks his campaign. Gotcha. And that's the that, that's the only time though. There's never. I, I thought it was really disturbing in this movie, like the the scene where like are they are they about to fuck? Are we about to watch some some bestiality action? It was it was it was wrong. It was bad. Do, do you guys um, do you guys notice that kind of cloud that's hanging over this movie of bestiality? Because it like it's very. Mm-hmm. It's very apparent. I mean, I remember this movie yeah. having that reputation because of it. What reputation did it have? But I mean, no. I mean, like, of the time period, that would be the things that uh, young schoolboys of that age would talk about. Oh, I about. see, I yeah. see. I mean, there's a very real possibility throughout the entire film that Howard and Beverly are, are <laughs> going to are going fuck. Well, I, I can tell you the the last scene, the the... <laughs> Right before the credits scene, where they walk off stage and and like get close to each other, that was deliberately they deliberately put that scene in to imply that their relationship does continue to grow. Grow. I yeah. think uh, I think Paul just showed me what a duck penis looks like, and you're welcome. It's full of stars. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. You're right. That condom wouldn't have fit. Um, nope. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, <laughs> sure, that's the word. <laughs> Took me out of it. Um, <laughs> where, where, where to go? Where to go? Where? You real with duck penis? I know, I know. <laughs> it got into my mind. Um, <laughs> so anyway, where were we? I'm sorry, AJ. I interrupted Leah, what you were saying. Leah Thompson. Let's talk about Leah Thompson. Amazing. Because I. I've had a lifelong crush on Leah Thompson, yes. and a lot of people would would point towards, uh, you know, Back to the Future as mm-hmm. the source of their Leah Thompson mm-hmm. crush. Mm-hmm. No, I lay it no. proudly at the feet of Howard the no. Duck. It's two wow. things. It's her uh, with that hair and singing and, and being like a little 80s punk chick, yep. and then her in her underwear climbing into bed. <laughs> <laughs> Which led us to the to the bestiality yes, scene. Yes, exactly. Uh, slightly distasteful, but yeah, absolutely. I I, uh, I was 16 years old when this movie came out and awakened the <laughs> loins of heterosexual males everywhere. 
No, now I'm thinking of Paul's loins being awakened. <laughs> Jesus, this first it's duck dick. It looks like a duck dick. <laughs> um, no, uh, Leah Thompson is yes. I I agree. I clearly I only saw this movie, so my my loins were not awakened by this film, but they were revived. <laughs> they were, revived. <laughs> were they in a coma? They got dusted <laughs> off. Yeah, for for quite a while. It's it's a whole sad thing. How are things going with that girl? Um, no, okay. Let's let's move on. Jesus. <laughs> Um, yes, Leah Thompson is probably the shining star for me. I I really got to say it's connected also to the music, too. I I love the music a lot. It really takes me back. It's not not just a nostalgic thing. Who's the who is the the uh, music? Thomas Dolby. Dolby. Right. Yes. Thomas motherfucking Dolby. It's really quite good. I mean, those are really poppy, you know, poppy and songs. Those, and those girls actually performed that. Right. Did I see Holly That's, Robinson Pete in there, too? Yes, you did. At the time, she was only Holly Robinson, but yeah. yes, you certainly did. Yeah, she was a looker, too. Still yes, is. she was. Um, I like the yeah. title song. It was co-written by Thomas Dolby mm-hmm. and George motherfucking Clinton. <laughs> That's yes. right. Yeah. Um, and I, it's it. I actually like the title song. Yes, it's but you cool. but you're not digging the the like the club uh, music that they play. Ah, uh, not particularly. Yeah, a little dated, a little dated. But you I know, still enjoy it. I, I, ha- I have to say the uh, the stage in a dive bar with like chain link around it is mm-hmm. a. I mean, that's a trope that's been used in all kinds of movies. Roadhouse, but. Uh, yeah, that Roadhouse is instantly what I go to. So when I was watching those Blues scenes, Brothers. Blues Brothers, yeah, mm-hmm. Blues Brothers, yeah. But I always go to Roadhouse. So when I was watching those scenes, I was expecting, uh, you know, Patrick Swayze to walk mm-hmm. by or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. See, when I saw the the, the fence, I, my first thought was. The music they are playing does not really match. The <laughs> doesn't doesn't really warrant having a chain link fence. It you know really what? doesn't. You know what? Now that I think about it, Roadhouse's music didn't really warrant the chain link fence. It was just the patrons <laughs> that at, warranted. At least in Blues Brothers, they were in a <laughs> shitty dive bar yeah. playing country and western music. Yeah. Is that still a, is that still a trope? Do, have you seen that? Recently at all? No, I haven't seen that in years. I think it's just 80s movies. It's so funny. It's so Was funny. that ever a thing that existed in real life? I'm not sure. So, so the first half of this movie really is kind of like we've talked about that, you know, Stranger in a Strange Land. But also, I got to feel, I got to tell you, like, the, the first half of this movie feels so plotless. Like, it does. Joe and I, like, when we're watching these terrible movies, many of them, like, at some point during the movie, one of us will type to the other, what is this movie about? Right. What, what is going on in this movie? What is this? Right. And about halfway through Howard the Duck, I forget which of us did it, but yeah, we were like, what? what is what is this? <laughs> another is hour and 45 minutes of this. I feel like... Yeah, like, yeah, it was like, 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 Jesus, we have another hour and 20 minutes. What's going on? Like, to me, it's, it's like, if you're going to bypass heavy plotting, you have to have really interesting character stuff going on. And there's none of that either. Like, every scene is just this kind of 
vignette of it's going to hit three things. Uh, how did I get here? Where are you from? It's, it's, it's always going to have that element of he's a he's he's a, a sort sticking out like a sore thumb, and then uh, kind of this burgeoning romance with Leah Thompson. Uh, I'll tell you the the only scene that stands out to me as being utterly pointless is him trying to find a job and working at the the like hot tub yeah. salon or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What that's just that's a tits and ass thing. That is just like you and, know. And also that that kind of bothered me, like the sleaziness of that. Like and and so you know, not having read the comics at that point, I was just like, you know, I, I actually found. Um, Roger Ebert did not review this film in print, but uh, Siskel and Ebert for their uh, end of the year, uh, like worst of 1986 episode, mm-hmm. uh, they included Howard the Duck. And I watched the, the, the segment and both of them who were – and to their credit, they both mentioned that there was a comic book that was well-received that they hadn't read. So they didn't know like what Howard was supposed to be like, right. but just that he was such like a weird – like unlikable pervert yeah. in the movie. Yeah. And I agree, like, there's this weird, lecherous air about him. Uh, and, you know, watching it without having read the comics, I was just like, what the... F-? Like, it just felt really sleazy. Right. And now having read some of the comics, that that is not an aspect of Howard's character right. whatsoever. Like, right. he, call, he calls Bev toots, but there's, like, no, like, he's not, like, right. ogling bare naked ass like you know, it doesn't it's just it's so weird you know in a weird way also i see kind of the through line of kind of the the zemeckis lucas thing of of this this affinity for uh, their childhood <laughs> their childhood uh, and 1940s cartoons and serials and everything because like, the through line of this is almost the same through line that kind of leads us to a who framed Roger Rabbit, except with this one, you're you're trying to to approach it from a 15 year old boy's point of view. So, what does a 15 year old boy think of when he's thinking about this? I mean, the music at the beginning almost seems kind of 40 40s esque. He talks like a 40s person would be. And I actually in, in, did like that. I thought that was a promising beginning, and then it right. went south. In the uh, in the interview with them that I watched in the bonus material, they actually said that when they were first talking, like what first attracted them to the concept, the idea of making this movie, is that they thought uh, the story was had noir elements. Mm. <laughs> and I was oh. and I was like, well, that completely fucking vanished I mean- from the final product. <laughs> He got chased by bikers. He took a chain up. Um, No, he was extremely... Okay, that characterization, and maybe it's also the person who voiced Howard, uh, happened to be one of the most obnoxious things to me. Like, to this movie... I actually actually quite enjoy uh, the voice. His voice? His voice? Yeah. Yeah, I actually don't think his voice is that bad. I don't know. It could have been better. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it's an element of of not like when you when you think of something uh, being like okay Batman, Batman has to be either really good by who plays Batman or it has to have really good villains. Rarely is it equal. Sometimes it's a little more of one or a little more of the other. 
same thing with anything that's fronted by someone and the title of the movie is this is this character. Like this has to be a strong character. Howard the Duck its strongest element to me is not Howard the Duck. And it's just it, it maybe is my own personal effect to it. It's just I find him obnoxious. I don't find him a very good uh guide through this journey. Um, Coming away from the movie, I'm not sure I could tell you who Howard the Duck is. Yeah, like what is his view? What and then that's the thing. Like in the in the and I, I hate to keep being this guy. Like, well, now that I've read two and a half <laughs> issues of the comic book, um, but 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 a weird thing is in the comic, like his viewpoint is so so front and yes. center. Like yeah, his, yeah. his his view on life, and in this, I don't know anything about Howard the Duck except right. he's he's a pervert. But everything happens to him in this movie. He doesn't right, really have a, a, a monologue. Right. He doesn't have an inner monologue. He's very uh, reactive. Like yes. there's no – he doesn't drive the plot. Yes. He's just he another – card at the end of them. <laughs> <laughs> He's just another element. He's just another uh, part of the, of the scenery. Um, Paul, yeah, besides yes. Leah Thompson, do you want to talk about – since we're leading into the second – part of the the movie you want to you want to introduce us to maybe another character that pops up that leah thompson (laughs) introduces us to Uh, are you referring to jeffrey jones uh jeffrey jones and tim robbins wasn't tim robbins in a in a in a scene beforehand before jeffrey jones yeah yeah yeah, somehow tim robbins is the one that actually eventually leads them to Jeffrey Jones. Yes. And I couldn't really figure out how <laughs> Leah Thompson knew him. <laughs> he went, she randomly he went to the club, right? He, he's dating one of the girls in the band. Oh, right. Right. So because funny. she's like, she's like, uh, he, he comes to her later, right? They come, they come to the like dressing room and he said something, uh, no, no time for sex or something like that. Yes. Which I thought was funny. Yeah. He like also, it. he walks into the dressing room and is like, uh, I'm here with pizza to watch you guys undress. Right. Right. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's start off, since you guys obviously uh, love Tim Robbins in this and decided that he should be getting an Oscar, not for Shawshank Redemption, but for this. Please. Uh, Greg, I I want to ask you, what do you have against – we shouldn't go first. You should go first. What do you have against Tim Robbins' performance as Phil Blumbert? (laughs) In in this film, seriously, what what is so bad am, in, in this of all movies? What is so I am bad not allowing you to push me around and tell me <laughs> that I go first. Uh, no, um, uh, you know if if you if you can't buy my uh, uh, my disconnect with Howard the Duck and finding him obnoxious, I'm sure there are a lot of people in my camp that would agree and testify that Tim Robbins is the most obnoxious thing of this movie. Most of the comedy that's thrown into his dialogue it falls so flat, it's under earth, okay? It's horrible. Um, his his um, affectation, like when he's trying to like speak Donald Duck to, to Howard the Duck, horrible, not funny. Uh, not funny at all. Um <laughs> His scenes, like his scenes, really do lose their steam when he shows up, and I really oh, don't dude. like him at all. I, I do completely disagree. <laughs> I, you are so sell me, wrong. sell what, me on okay, this. I'll tell you, I'll tell you the scene that completely sell, sells him for me in this movie. It's it's basically his first scene. So, uh, so Beverly Leah Thompson brings 
Howard to this quote unquote scientist that she knows. Uh, he's actually a lab assistant, but whatever. <laughs> as soon as he sees, uh, uh, let's back up for just a second. I actually kind of thought the scenes with her uh, transporting Howard the Duck in a giant garbage bag with air holes cut in it. <laughs> I actually thought that was kind of funny. Okay. I, I'm the only one on the podcast. <laughs> but anyways, so so as soon as uh, as soon as Tim Robbins, as soon as Phil sees this alien duck, he goes. He gets super excited and he bursts into a room with his colleagues. He's like, oh my God, guys, I've just seen it. I've just seen it. It's real. It's here. And it's and then he realizes what the hell he's about to say. And he he fucking freaks out. And he's like, <laughs> nothing, nothing, never mind. It's nothing. And he laughs maniacally and walks out. I, I could not possibly recreate his performance there, but it was so fucking batshit over the top. It was goddamn hilarious. <laughs> I, see, I, I feel like Tim Robbins and Jeffrey Jones were the only ones who sort of realized, like, we're in kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, we need to... They, they were the, the Uma Thurman in Batman and Robin <laughs> oh. in this movie. Ouch. Like, they... they uh, oh, no, dude. She's great in that movie. I know. I know. I know. But... <laughs> um, they are this movie is it's pretty dull a lot of the time mm-hmm. like it's it's kind of incoherent howard's a lecherous creep it's just it's kind of boring um but then whenever he tim robbins shows up all of a sudden there's this spark of like look, i'm not saying the material he's given is good i went to uh the IMDb quote section just to see, you know, if, if I could prove you wrong that he did have some good jokes no all of the dialogue is awful mm-hmm. but it's just the way, just his maniacal performance in the movie is is hilarious. Okay, there's, um, there's, and by the way, this was not his first role. No, okay. No. There's an element here, okay, of what '80s hacky a- acting was. I mean, I think of uh, was it uh, was it Killer's Kiss that uh, Nick Cage was in. Really, never even fucking heard of that. So, uh, it, oh man, once, yeah, no, it's it was Nick it was Cage the movie I haven't seen. Yeah, no, uh, it was a the vampire movie that he did in the eighties. Mm. I can't remember. Oh, Vampire's uh, Kiss. Yeah, Vampire's Kiss. Sorry, that I've seen. <clears throat> Greg, there's a seen. there's an element of amazing. Okay, there's an element of of Nick Cage in the eighties that every eighties actor. And even some direct-to-video actors nowadays, including Nick Cage, <laughs> try to replicate. Okay, and uh, that's that's what I get from Tim Robbins' performance. He's doing okay. He's got t- terrible dialogue. His over-the-top acting is just—it's—it's it's just a. <laughs> It's, just a, it's a turnoff for me, okay? It didn't make my dick hard. No, um, it's it's just so difficult to to watch a scene with him when I didn't find him funny. And it could be, it could be the writing that's doing that that I'm not getting enough from his performance. But I will say this: he has, I counted at least three or four cringeworthy moments, like. Oh my god, what the fuck am I watching? Especially at the end when he gets kind of like boinked on the head and his glasses are ajar. And his uh, hair is smoking. Yes, it's ridiculous. That was, that was the one moment of his where I was legitimately like, oh, that, was, that was too far. And that was Paul, too- I loved Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And this fucking movie, <laughs> Tim <laughs> Robbins, I'd rather take those guys that uh, fucking uh, drove the, the ice cream truck. Then oh, Tim Robbins man. in this. 
Oh, man. See, I'm so glad. I'm glad that you mentioned the Nicolas Cage aspect of it because I amazingly had not made that connection. And I, I have seen uh, Vampire's Kiss, which which actually came out two years after this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Vampire's Kiss. And while it is an awful film, worse, I would say, than Howard the Duck, um, there are some, I will say, moments. The film reaches the sublime in certain <laughs> moments. Uh, such as Nicolas Cage reciting the entire goddamn alphabet. Um, it is. It is. Great. Uh, and I am such a huge fan of Nicolas Cage. Yes. Uh, in that mode, in in most modes, yes. really. Unless he's um, being boring and mundane, right? Yeah, like there are performances of his where he's just like, like I feel like Con Air is the perfect uh, <laughs> mundane Nicolas Cage performance because he he's kind of the boring straight man, but he still gets to say things like. <laughs> Like, 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 don't touch the bunny, <laughs> or, 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 or stuff like that. His accent no, there, there wins is, in that. Yeah, there is absolutely an element of of that kind of Nick Cage insanity to Tim Robbins' performance. And even though it may be second rate Nick Cage insanity, that is still like you know that he he is still like touched God, like touched the face of God. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Tim Robbins doesn't love have it. Tim Robbins doesn't have the personality to sell that 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 oh, type I of so character agree. because of a Bull Durham or a Shawshank Redemption. What other comedies did he do in the eighties? What he am I did, forgetting? Well, it wasn't in the eighties, but he did Hudsucker Proxy. Hudsucker, yeah, okay. But Hudsucker, he's a blank slate. Okay, in in this movie, he has he has to carry some weight, and he does it poorly. Hudsucker Proxy, I'm he's not sure. What? I'm not sure anyone in this film had to carry weight, <laughs> but I, you know what, dude? In this in this cinematic wasteland, I found something to treasure. Yeah, sure, and it's not the best part of the movie. Let's talk about Jeffrey Jones because um, I, while we shit all over his legacy at the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> I, I think um, he's actually uh, my favorite part of this movie. Um, Paul, do you disagree? Do you like him? No. No, I love him. I, I I tend to like Jeffrey Jones in just about everything he does. Yeah. Um and like AJ said, he's he's one of the few people in this movie that seems to know what movie he's in. Uh, <laughs> and and he had a blast. Uh it's interesting, uh the writer and director in one of the interviews they were talking about the casting process and they were like We knew right away uh, you know that we wanted uh, that this was a good role for Jeffrey Jones because we had seen him in Amadeus. <laughs> I was like, what? No, fuck. All right, all right. So this was I made the connection. A film noir, and they wanted the Amadeus version of Jeffrey Jones. Something what? went terribly wrong somewhere what in the, the process. Absolute fuck. Um, he's great. That the voice he does when he's possessed by the dark overlord mm-hmm. is fantastic yeah. um the the whole scene in the diner yes it, yeah. while awful i there were there were things he was doing in that scene that i was i was genuinely amazed by like joe and i were like i and me each other back and forth like what the fuck is going <laughs> like, like like what what the fuck is happening what what are we witnessing right there, now there's there's elements to to the part when jeffrey jones finally like in the second part of this movie when he becomes the bad guy that is just like, 
uh, as as dated and kind of out of place and and kind of uh, um, what's the word? Kind of like really how they stand out. The effects in in this portion that I really really enjoyed. Uh, the rotoscoping that they did, um, the craft that they're that they're showing, but not only that, but the makeup effects that <laughs> go go through yeah. the rest of the movie. Well, at some point, yeah, I would love to talk about the actual the craft of the film itself, aside from just the story and the actors. But right, but yeah, his, his um, part alone was really, really. Uh, whenever he's in the scene, he's like, what did what did they say? Uh, what did the cop tell him when they uh, told him to stop? Something about st- uh, put down your window jack or something like that. And he, what did he say? I forget. Oh, uh, he was like, um, uh, "Let me see your license, Jack." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "I have no license. I am not Jack." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just got you know. Jeffrey Jones brings it. I really, really enjoyed him. <laughs> if you want to talk about the effects, let's jump right into it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Howard. Okay. Yeah. What, do, what do we think? Um, I, I'm going to say that they definitely did uh, the mechanical stuff. They did the person in the suit. They, they hit all the things that, you know, uh, seasoned special effects veterans like the uh, brothers that did Killer Clowns from Outer Space do. Okay. Um, I, the craft is there. I, I, I think that uh, it's questionable if um, if Howard and uh, and Duckworld, the the uh, the population of Duckworld, are what was uh, from the comics. You guys know better than I do. Do they fit at all with what the comics kind of envisioned them as? I mean, we don't. Duckworld was right. not really an aspect of the comics, right? But um, Howard the Duck. I mean. Howard, I mean, in the comics, Howard looks very much like, like Daffy or Donald. Like he is supposed to be part of the tra- tradition of funny talking animals. Right. Um, so in that sense, I mean, I guess if you're making this movie in 1986 using, you know, people in suits and animatronics, I I guess this is about as close as you can get. But even so, it doesn't. I, it's not really. Not really there, mm-hmm. and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure the CGI version of Gar- at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy necessarily is either. I, I, I actually was not fond of the look. Yeah, the I don't Duck think. I don't. I don't think I was either. In the in the tag for Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, I I am actually quite fond of of the duck effects in this. Not uh, of the Howard effects, I should say. Right. All the stuff on Duck World that was all terrible. The duck breasts, <laughs> all that other stuff that was awful. But. Um, but I mean, that was all just stuff that was meant to be seen quickly. But the right. the, the actual Howard suit, uh, there were actually seven different performers throughout the film uh, that that did certain aspects. the The one that was the prime actor was Ed Gale. Mm-hmm. Um, they had an interview with him too, and he's he's, he's great. seems like a great guy. But yep. um, uh, the the physical performance, uh, going beneath the suit for a second, the physical performance primarily by Ed Gale was amazing because he was talking about how. The uh, you know he could only see through the mouth, and then only when the mouth was open. Mm-hmm. So in any scenes where Howard is walking around a set or doing things, and he's not t- talking, the actor had to memorize the set and basically just walk around blind. Right, right, right. And um, and I you know when you watch a scene, like I believe one of the scenes was when he's first in Beverly's apartment, and they walk in the front door, and mm-hmm. he walks down the hall, and he comes into the living room, and he. She hands him a beer, and he gets in the chair and sets the beer on the table. Mm-hmm. That was all. He was blind for that. Right. 
Yeah, well, he said in that in that interview uh, that he had to kind of memorize the steps. He had to walk backwards. If he had to yeah. walk ten paces, he had to walk backwards ten paces and kind right. of just memorize where he was going to go. Yeah, and uh, so I mean, the the physical performance is, I think, pretty darn extraordinary. It, it is. Uh, and the go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, and the suit itself. I mean, ba- this was the first time that they had ever had a a completely fully contained remote control animatronic stuff on on a suit like this. There were no external wires or anything. It was all completely inside the suit and someone was off stage, you know, with a remote control. Um, So Howard the Duck paved the way for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Ninja (laughs) Turtles. Apparently. Quick quick aside, uh, quick aside to make it even more creepy, AJ. Apparently uh, there was also a kid in the suit some of the time yep. <laughs> and Leah Thompson had trouble being romantic in scenes with yep. the kid. Oh, she, she liked it oh, a lot man. more with Ed Gale. <laughs> that's right. Oh man, that's, that is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> or Leah Thompson, were there interviews with her? Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and what you know did what? she say? Okay. You know what the thing is about this whole movie, kind of its reputation and kind of the actors that were interviewed for, for the DVD, they seem to have a really good sense of humor about the movie mm-hmm. um the filmmakers well, I mean, I 30, and 30 years later you kind of have to but she even she like her approach to kind of the ickiness of bestiality or anything that was being she knew she knew it she wasn't like she didn't <laughs> deny it or whatever she just had kind of an off the wall sense of humor about it yeah she was yeah like, she said that she's got a really kind of a twisted sense of humor so she said you know she thought that that was all funny yeah yeah that's good i mean was was Tim Robbins interviewed? No, no. Oh, I didn't talk he to him. was he was busy making the was it uh, Dead Man Walking? I'm sure. Um, <laughs> um, um, fucking yeah. Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> I, love, I love that movie. Love that Jacob's movie. Ladder is great. Um, yeah, so so more to the uh, effects. I mean, it's obvious that that the makeup effects are even um, you know. As as impressive, I think that that uh, we definitely see this heyday of uh, '80s makeup effects coming from you know horror and, and sci-fi and everything. I don't even know who the makeup effects person was on this, um, but I love it. I love the the makeup department. There's a whole bunch of people. The phases that uh, that Jeffrey Jones's character goes through uh, from mm-hmm. from the diner on. Uh, it's pretty impressive. It's basically showing how much this alien from the inside is kind of decaying his body and and dysmorphia and all this type of things, ha- all these type of things happening to his face and everything. I really like it. The alien at the end of the film, mm-hmm. that is, it's, I wouldn't say the effects are good necessarily, right. but I like them quite a lot. That was yeah. Phil Tippett. Oh. Oh, oh wow! It keeps going that that uh, every time I see the filmmakers interviewed about this movie, they always talk about how the effects were just not up to snuff for what they had in mind, and I, I think part of that, you know, it's impressive what they did with this movie. You can tell the craft is there. I mean, this fucking movie cost more than Return of the Jedi to be made, and uh, what? It, huh? It cost. <laughs> It cost uh, 37, mm-hmm. 30, 37 million budget. Box office was thirty eight million. Yeah. How much did Return of the Jedi cost? Thirty two. 
Return of the Jedi looks a lot better. And I've got to say, no, what they ended up doing was they had to spend so much for the brand, uh, the branding, for the product placement. The stuff that they were punning, uh-huh. they paid a whole bunch, and the studio, the, the studio took the bill on it. Um, they wanted the, the Duck World stuff. it was their stuff. idea. Yeah, and they wanted the Duck World stuff. They wanted the, the Mallard card and all that other bullshit in his wallet. Yeah. Oh man! Like as much as I love bad puns, <laughs> you, 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 you can't you can't make your movie cost more than Return of the Jedi just for bad puns. What the hell? Well, it's interesting. This movie we'll get we'll get into it. This movie has a a dubious but very important place in history when it comes to George Lucas and Lucasfilm. Um, but yeah, what we were talking about the the ending alien. Yeah, impressive. I think he was pretty uh, pretty ugly and pretty terrifying. It was by Phil Tippett, which uh, that's cool. I, I just want to say, um, I don't want to derail us, but I'm mining the IMDb listings for other hidden gems. Guess who did the ultralight sequence design? Who? Joe Johnston. Oh wow! Director of Captain America: The First Avenger and Jurassic Park Three. Wow. That's some history that he had. I know. Wow. Um, also, that ultralight sequence, uh, Tim Robbins and Ed Gale had to fly that plane. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I don't know if they were always on it, but, the, but all of that was practical. Like that was, that was a real ultralight flying through the streets and, and dodging cars. There, were, there was no special effects. Wow. The way they did it back then, man, I'm telling you. Uh, quick aside, did not know this before I watch this movie again, that John Barry, well known for scoring so many James Bond movies, did the music for this movie. That wasn't the, the actual, I mean, the actual score he did. He didn't right, do. Right, right, Yeah. Good stuff. What else? What else do we want to talk about? Miles Chapin was the duck coach. <laughs> the duck coach. I don't know what that means. <laughs> who's who's Miles Chapin? I have no idea. He was the duck coach. <laughs> Pepped him up. I, That's what I, I, I want to point out that the voice of Howard the Duck, we didn't actually mention his name, uh, Chip Zine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And I, wa- I just want to point out, so Chip Zine uh, did the voice of Howard the Duck. The current writer of the recently launched Howard the Duck comic book series, the, the current series, is Chip Zdarsky. Coincidence? Uh, I don't know. By the way, that Howard the Duck series, only three issues so far, actually pretty fucking funny. Uh, if you want to listen to Gobbledygeek, uh, Paul and I did an episode recently discussing in part uh, okay, the okay. comic book series Sex look, Criminals. Look, I don't want you coming on this podcast <laughs> and fucking peddling your wares. <laughs> we also wrote a book. <laughs> we'll get, we will get to that. Not yet, Paul. Not we yet. will get to that. Um, Chips, we talked about how funny Chip Zdarsky was on that. His Howard the Duck is pretty funny, too. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. Hey, I want to talk about the dubious place in Lucasfilm history that okay, you just so, like tantalizingly dropped in there and was like, eh, fuck it, let's talk about I guess the, that's, the duck. I guess that's where we were going anyway. Uh, you know, um, as far as history is concerned, um, a lot of people put this on a bunch of lists, uh, you know, how how much it, uh, it uh, is a terrible movie and it doesn't have a very good uh, reputation, it's a bad movie, whatever. Um, in a way... Uh, because of the failings of this and uh, and Lucas's um, uh, extraneous expenses, 
post Return of the Jedi. Um, Lucasfilm was in um, uh, kind of a dire place, uh, especially after George Lucas's divorce. And uh, so this movie didn't do too well, and they had to find a way to keep Lucas Lucasfilm abreast. So he saw an opportunity to sell off Graphics Group, and that Graphics Group, um, for you know uh, the division that was uh, building tools and things for for uh, computer animation and effects and stuff like that. Well, it was sold off to a little man called Steve Jobs, and that was turned into the division of Apple Computers that eventually became. Pixar. So, the <laughs> the lack of success of Howard the Duck really could be said to have uh, caused the birth of Pixar. I mean, if we had to experience Howard the Duck to get Pixar, <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth it. It was. It was worth it. I, I mean, okay, this movie does not belong on, you know, the worst movies ever made list for, for one reason and one reason only. Actually, many reasons, but What's the most direct connection between this and Jurassic Park? Who can tell me? Um, Phil Tippett. Okay, that's probably much more direct than the one I was going for. <laughs> you got me there. I was I was going for Richard Kiley, right? Who did the the narration at the beginning, the uh, the the Cosmos speech about right. in the beginning there was Howard oh, the Duck. Okay, because every time I watch Jurassic Park, I'll be honest with you. I have the thought, I have no idea who Richard Kiley is. Oh, you're a monster. Do you guys have a problem with it uh, being considered, uh, well, since the 40s, I, I guess the first uh, Marvel feature film? Does it Does it, I mean, does it not it, feel it, good it, to you? I mean, it was. Yeah. It was. I think factually, it was, it was the first Marvel feature, right. um, which I'm sure they hate. <laughs> I'm sure they're not happy about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's just weird. Like, what was the next one? Was it the the Dolph Lundgren Punisher? Which, yeah, I would. Which is a worse film? Yeah, they them in the eighties. They did not do well. Like licensing no, early the Marvel material. stuff was yeah. terrible. But like, once they, the, I guess, I guess Blade was the first one that they really did well with. Yeah, I I, I would say so. Because what else do they have? They had um. Uh, fucking the the Captain America movie with J.D. Salinger's kid, mm-hmm. which I I have not seen, but I w- trust me, I want to. Joe and I want. Um, yeah. Do they even have anything else? No, not that I can tell. Uh, well, I mean, there there was that Fantastic Four. Hey, t- oh oh my God, dude, that Fantastic Four movie that is a trip. That is something. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I've um, never actually seen it. Technically, Men in Black is a Marvel movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good stuff. We can right. tell that this is <laughs> winding down <laughs> when we start talking about other Marvel properties. Um, Black. No, there's a, there, so so. I guess the, the the positives for me, all concerned, would be Leah Thompson. I really really like the music actually, and uh, and Jeffrey Jones is the bad guy. But the movie really is. I I constantly find it. Um, on this rewatch, you know, hadn't watched it in a long time, and maybe my tastes since being a young lad have changed quite a bit. Um, so yeah, th- this movie I found pretty dull um, altogether. 
wasn't wasn't a good viewing experience. I I really commented a few times to a friend of mine, um, what the fuck am I watching and why am I up at twelve thirty watching this? Um, I have to say, okay, I think this is a very bad movie. But second ago, you mentioned it does have the reputation for being one of the worst films of all time. Right. No, I think yeah, yeah. it had uh, people who believe that are people who haven't who haven't seen the worst films yeah, yeah. of all time. Yeah. AJ and I have seen some of the worst films of all time. Well, this we is, have, this and they is feature a, a different bird. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> Thanks Killing 3 is, is one thing. No, I think that oh, this, it always comes back to the, the definition of bad, because when people say bad, you know, you could throw off a, a number of movies, but I tend to think that the bad movies are the boring ones, the ones that are, yes, you know, absolutely. the same thing over and over again, the shit that you've seen before uh actors uh just phoning it in directors just you know taking a paycheck uh put the camera over there you know just very uh, run-of-the-mill bullshit nothing really special but this movie in its glory still has quite a few special things you know that you can that you can point out that you haven't seen anywhere else i guarantee it i I mean this uh... this movie being on you know the worst list of all time list uh, the worst. Did I say the worst list of all time? The worst list. Of, it's definitely on the worst list of <laughs> that's, all time. The, that's an AJ discussion. The worst <laughs> movies of all time list. Uh, I mean, that's just lazy. This is there were. This is not demonstrably worse than half of the rest of the movies from the eighties. Yeah. So th- this is just one of those things where it's now accepted. Howard the Duck is the worst movie ever made. If you want to be taken seriously on the internet, you have to say that. Sure. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. like I. So, you know, Joe and I watch a lot of these really bad movies and the ones that like are that are the the best in terms of like viewing experience are the ones where you can tell people actually tried. Like even though Power of the Duck, I think, is a very bad movie, but those involved tried. Like, um, the fact that Plan 9 from Outer Space is considered one of the worst movies of all time is ludicrous. Yes. Because as bad of a movie as that is, as horrible as the production qualities are, uh, Ed Wood, as as documented in the Tim Burton film, is someone who tried very hard. Right. And it, it comes across... Now, when I, whenever I think of like the default, like one of the worst movies of all time, but th- besides *Things Killing 3, which I try to block from memory, <laughs> um, is a movie that Joe and I watched uh, called *Eyeball*. It's uh, Giallo from the '70s, and it is absolutely like like we we saw the poster, we he- we heard the title. It's about a serial killer who kills people by stabbing them in the eyeball. Like, <laughs> Perfect. We're, uh, we were. We were like, fuck yeah. Yes. It is one of the most soulless, brain-dead, depressing movies we have ever seen. It is just at, it is the death of cinema. That's when, the just... con- that's when the concept and the poster really failed you. <laughs> yes. That was the whole, the whole movie is, is the concept and the poster. And they're like, well, fuck it. I guess we have to make a movie now. Yeah. And it's, it's just it's, – it's absolutely excruciating. And Howard the Duck, as bad as it is, is not an excruciating experience. Right. I agree. I agree. I didn't enjoy it, but it's really not the worst thing that I've seen. I've seen a lot lazier filmmaking and um, I always appreciate even, even in the, the glorious bad things, I really appreciate craft when it does come through. 
And um, you know, much like Jeffrey Jones, he's uh, interviewed in the in the DVD extras. Um, they kind of, I guess, they asked about the release of the movie and how badly it did. And Jeffrey Jones had that very, um, you know. Uh, namaste kind of uh, reaction to it that you know I'm I'm proud of what I did in the movie Uh, you can't go back you can't do anything about the past so it is what it is Mm -hmm. yeah George Lucas from what I read always claimed like at at the time of its release that it's a movie that people would appreciate years later you know yeah he 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 supposedly told them uh, at the time he was like you know, just wait. In 25 years, people will look right. back on this and, and right. see how good it was for the time. Well, Paul, you don't did know. a – Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, Paul, you did a great job of, of, of keying into what is the biggest draw of a movie like this. It's the fact that you can go and watch it with a group. And have that Rocky Horror Picture Show or that, uh, rather, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 type experience where you guys are joking and laughing at something that's just ridiculous. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, I, I, I'm pretty famous for loving most things 80s. I feel like the 80s was the best, <laughs> the best decade for all kinds of pop culture. Um, there's a lot of quote unquote shitty movies from the eighties that I legitimately love and I rewatch and, and have a great time. Howard the Duck's not necessarily one of those. <laughs> I, I, I do tell people when they ask, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I like Howard the Duck, but it's not one that I'm, you know, that I will just frequently put yeah. in and rewatch because it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah. It would be fun for a group viewing, but no. Right. Sounds good guys. If you were going to give it a waddle r- rating, AJ, what would you give it? I would give it, bearing in mind that we have a half waddle rating, I would give it a one. <laughs> wow. That's wow. do not gobble, right? That is, it's run, it is. We, don't, we, hey, it's run we, don't gobble. The mm-hmm. definitions are outdated. <laughs> I would well, update them. They are currently definitionless. Them. Until you update them. Anyway, I was going to go, I, I'm actually, no, I'll give it two. I will give it two, which is do not gobble. But it's the highest do not gobble rating. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be right between you guys, one and a half. Um, the, the draw for it is just poorly, in, in my opinion, just poorly um, sprinkled among a lot of dull, boring stuff. Especially the first half of the movie was just, it was, it was painful for me to get mm-hmm. through. It might have been the time of day that I was watching it. I was watching it right before bed. I was like, this might put me to sleep. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk a little bit real quick about what you guys do and what the fuck you have to plug. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, Greg, I'm glad you asked. Um, for the last five years, Paul and I have been in a, a codependent relationship. Um, that is about to end in a murder-suicide. Yeah, it's a murder-suicide <laughs> pact, really. Um, it's like, you know the end of Dead Ringers? It's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, we, uh, we co-host a more or less weekly uh, pop culture podcast entitled Gobbledygeek. Uh, Greg's been on the show numerous times. Greg is actually currently in the middle of helping us with this year's uh, four-color flashback series, uh, the four-color flashback stuff each year, uh, we look back through a classic comic book, uh, one episode a month, discussing a different volume of that series. And this year, Greg is helping us do uh, Bone by Jeff Smith, 
which is much better than Howard the Duck. So yeah. we, I, th- I think we've done uh, three episodes of that so far. We're doing one very, very shortly, uh, maybe up by the time you hear this. Uh, so, yeah, uh, please check that out. You can find us uh, uh, at .com. Uh You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at uh, twitter.com uh, slash gobbledygeeks with an S on the end. Uh, plus our book... Uh, the Delhi Counter of Justice, which is a superhero short story anthology. Uh, you can find that uh, on Amazon. Uh, the paperback is going for $13.99, or you can get the Kindle edition uh, for $6.99. Awesome. I got to say, um, your guys' book has recently um, shown up on a couple people's um, reading list. No, they didn't. it didn't. But I oh, want to say, say it was really that was really mean. I'll cut that. That was really mean. Um, <laughs> no, you don't cut. Show your audience. No. The no. <laughs> no, what I was going to go down the road saying that I, I really enjoyed the, the book. I believe uh, Monique has read a couple uh, stories from the book. I'm not sure. Maybe. Um, but yes, we are big fans of it. And I got my shit signed. So you guys in all person, should be. Man. Yeah, you motherfuckers should be really, really jealous. Um, I'll be selling that on eBay for 35 cents <laughs> in about a year. 35 cents. <laughs> <laughs> Buy now for a quarter. <laughs> Buy low so high, baby. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for coming on. It's been uh, long gestating, just like I'm sure the movie version of Howard the Duck was. Um, yes. yes. Or Beverly's twisted half-human, <laughs> half <laughs> uh, If you guys are a fan of bestiality, I say um, maybe check it out online and don't watch this movie, but nonetheless. Yes, it's uh, interesting. It's interesting. Greg Sadashny advocating bestiality since 2015. (laughs) Way before that. Um, But thank you guys. Thank you guys for. I can't wait. Sorry, sorry. can't wait to die. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for the David Cronenberg uh, sequel. Oh God! That would be amazing. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad that this finally uh, came together and and we were able to talk about this. Let's let's find another uh, '80s movie. We should just do an '80s movie uh, marathon and just yeah. just do that one one yeah, one time. Connection themes. Okay, guys, thank you so much. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks, Greg. Bye.
we doing this? You ready? AJ, come on. You're ready. No. Come on. You're no. prepped. It's written. You're ready to go. It's you want to rehearse it a little bit? Come on. Start us however you want. I'm not going to do the <clears> intro. <throat> I want I want AJ to get a clean take. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Deli counter so, of just us. Let's do this. Just us. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So you told me to go ahead and, and, and read this then? Do it. You're not going to modify it at all for podcast purposes? Fuck that, man. <clears throat> This is on this is on digital wax forever. Di- I'm, I'm digital gonna... wax. <laughs> digital wax. <laughs> is that like a waxy buildup on your finger? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You're uh, you're understanding. <laughs> All right. <laughs> God, let's, we're let's, in trouble. AJ's in a mood. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's All talk right. about Kumiko. Okay, let's go. Three, two, one, duck. From the time of his hatching. Okay, try again. Sorry. Diff- you, you dipped it. Ah, I'm ah, sorry. The audio got fucked up right there. God <laughs> damn it. I want you to have a clean take. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Three, two, one, duck. 